A More Beautiful Life is a listener-supported show. You can learn more about the benefits you receive from your support, such as access to other courses, special access to tools, blogs, and skills through our Patreon channel, Patreon forward slash A More Beautiful Life. Hello, you are listening to A More Beautiful Life podcast, recognizing, appreciating, and integrating earliest life experiences. My name is Kate White, and I created this podcast because of my passion for my work as a therapist and an educator in preventing and resolving earliest trauma. I believe that integrating our earliest experiences brings us closer to who we really are. On the show, I will be having discussions with others on the path who have explored healing our earliest experiences in life, or who, in my opinion, have found ways to live a more beautiful life. And today on the show, I have Darsha Narvaez. Darsha Narvaez, Professor Emerita of Psychology, University of Notre Dame, researches moral development and human flourishing from an interdisciplinary perspective, integrating anthropology, neuroscience, clinical, developmental, and educational sciences. Her earlier careers included professional musician, business owner, classroom music teacher, classroom Spanish teacher, and seminarian, among other things. She grew up as a bilingual, bicultural Puerto Rican, but calls the earth her home. Dr. Narvaez's current research explores how early life influences well-being and a moral character in children and adults. She is a fellow of the American Psychological Association and the American Educational Research Association and former editor of the Journal of Moral Education. She is on the advisory boards of Attachment Parenting International, Kindred, Your Whole Baby, and the South Reg Institute. She has numerous publications, including more than 20 books, such as Indigenous Sustainable Wisdom, First Nation Know-How for Global Flourishing, Basic Needs, Well-Being and Morality, Fulfilling Human Potential, and Embodied Morality, Protectionism, Engagement, and Imagination. A recent book, Neurobiology and the Development of Human Morality, Evolution, Culture, and Wisdom, won the 2015 William James Book Award from the American Psychological Association and the 2017 Expanded Reason Award. She blogs for, for Psychology Today, Moral Landscapes is the name of her blog, and hosts the webpage EvolveNest.org. And today on the show I have Darsha Narvaez, who's a researcher and a practitioner and a professor emeritus and so many other wonderful things. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm excited to be here too. I'm excited to have a conversation with you, Darsha, because we have similar passions and they run deep and they seem to be insatiable, but full of capacity. <laughs> Yours, you, you have such a rich history I mean, I think, how many books have you written, Darsha? Over 20. I don't oh know. <laughs> well, some are curriculum books for teachers and some are edited volumes with a lot of experts in them and some are authored, yeah. Yeah, the first one I read was one, I think the, it was the moral development book that, but there was another one I read too, which was 
like it came out of a symposium that you hosted when you were at your what's what's Notre Dame University, but the one in Indiana, right? Um, and you were say tell people what you did there because I'm not really 100 percent sure myself. Well, I've had several symposia: 2010, 2012, 2014, 2016. And the first one was uh, Evolution, Early Experience in Human Development. So it brought in uh, Alan Shore and Yak Pangsep and all their friends came, which was really exciting and uh, quite a big, the, con the conference book got too big. I had to actually move chapters into the next book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that was exciting to watch and also to, to experience the products that came out of that because what I, I really learned from that besides all the wonderful ideas and principles and thoughts um, was you had people who responded, who were responders, who were like critical thinkers, who listened and gave advice or opinion. Is that correct? Sure, yes. I think at every, we try to have practitioners as well as academics uh, and scholars at every conference, yeah. Yeah, and your specialty was moral development. Is that what you taught at yeah. the university? Yes, that's my area, but it's more holistic, more about living a good life. Uh, and so those are the interdisciplinary courses I like to teach. Living a good life. Yes. So what did you discover about living a good life when you were there and, and running all uh, these symposiums? Well, I've, I've stumbled upon the, what I'm focused on now is the evolved nest, and that's our ancestral heritage you know we've always had this nest like every other animal has a nest too that uh, um, is matched up with a maturational schedule of the young and optimizes their normal development we have one too but we forgot it in civilization industrialized civilization mm -hmm. and so that's what I focus on now but all those people I've been bringing in are uh, discuss different aspects of the nest you know how important touch is how important soothing birth is how important play is that kind of thing well if you could describe the evolved nest because I've seen I've seen your um your presentation at least one maybe maybe two it has components it has all these elements to it how would you describe the evolved nest, like what's your elevator speech? <laughs> well, the evolved nest is what uh, we as a species develop to optimize the human potential, essentially. And for young children, it's especially important because the brain is under development. We're born uh, with only 25% of adult brain volume. That's full-term birth I'm talking about. Uh, and it takes, you know, the brain grows rapidly in the first years of life based on experience. So, and the experience our species uh, evolved to need is very social and embedded and physical and touchy and, you know, and fun. Uh, and then the nest is about connection. And it's not just early experience, it's throughout life we need this nestedness. So maybe uh, you don't need to breastfeed after a few years, <laughs> but you still need that social connection, responsive relationships and mentors, and you still need uh, affection and you still need play. So those are the things we focus in on, zeroing in on early experience, especially babies, because people forgot about babies. It's like they think they're just like a plant and you just have them and put them over there for a while till they grow up and they can talk to you or something I don't know but <laughs> it's kind of crazy how we treat babies in the in the United States so you're right focus yeah 
Yeah, well, I know that the, this panel that you and I are a part of coming up in May on baby adverse events, it, it probably grew out of all the wisdom that you have around the evolved nest. Um, so what, tell, tell people a little bit more about your baby ACEs presentation and, and what you're gonna be talking about besides the evolved nest. Yes, I will be talking about that. Well, you know, how we talk about trauma informed now. Uh, that is something that I think we still need more in, informed, be inf more informed about baby trauma. We seem to have forgotten that uh, and, and not realized what it means and how babies feel everything. They are engraving every, every experience is being engraved on their brains. So yeah. that means in prenatal life, it means at birth, it means mom and dad's diet before they had conceived the child. I mean, it goes on and on. And then post-birth, right? what happens after birth, separation, painful procedures, bright lights, noxious fumes, all that stuff is, you know, shocking or traumatizing the child. Mm -hmm. And then the first weeks of life, that's when the caregivers, usually it's mom that studied the mom and the baby, uh, they, they set their relationship in those first weeks and months. And then it, get, it's, it pretty much stays that how responsive that mom's going to be. And so for mom to be responsive, she needs a, a supportive you know, community, a village around her. So she's able to relax into love. And we don't provide that enough of that either now. Uh, and so, and then we blame parents for whatever goes wrong in their child. It's like, what? It's a community responsibility, this evolved nest. Yes. <laughs> it's not yeah, just right. dad, it's all of us, yes. right? So the evolved nest is about waking people up to, to understanding that we all have to step up. We all provide wellness. We all have our responsibilities, right? And right. we are responsible then when trauma happens to a child. It's not just, you know, them and that little family. It's the community failures. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, I work with a lot of moms. Like that's one of my major jobs is to help a mom make sense or a birthing parent, you know, depending on who it is, um, make sense of their experience. And they often sit in the chair opposite me and say, this is my fault. I've done something wrong. I know that, you know, they spiral in on themselves. And part of my job is to say, well, you know, actually you need more support. And that's on us. That's on all of us out here to help you. And then we try to create ways for a mom to map out her support and really, like you said, relax, relax into love, relax into herself in this new role or the expanded role that she has and, and work with her partner, um, work with extended, you know, services. It, it really, we really do have an upside down culture. We have so much invested in advanced education when we really need to start funneling the money and the support into this early time. That's right. Yeah. You have an extra layer that I really love about your work too, Darsha, is that you bring in, you bring in indigenous knowledge. Can you speak just a little bit more about that? Well, part of our underlying problem with why we don't pay attention to early life uh, experiences and babies and families is because we forgot um, kind of how to live on the earth well. And indigenous wisdom 
is uh, something I've been uh, came to realize is critical, and there's a real difference in worldview that's going on. So the dominant worldview tells us we're all individuals. Well, if you mistreat a baby and uh, send them to bed alone in a crib, let them cry, you start to feel like you are an individual and disconnected, right? And so there's a fundamental way that we treat children that, that leads to this worldview, then that is also about uh, controlling others and dominating. Because you feel so stressed as a baby, your, your options are to yell and scream till you get your needs met. And then you learn to use that if it worked, you know, ah, dominate, right? Or if that didn't work, you have to shut down. You go into the, you know, separation, the, the dissociation, the parasympathetic system, and you have to just survive uh, or else you're going to die because you use up your energy. And so you learn that pattern or you flip between them. And so you just don't you're easily dominated and compliant and fit into the system that's all set up to feed the rich. Essentially, all of us are supposed to work, work, work. So to keep the system going, so the wealthy people feel at ease. I mean, that's, oh, that's what? good naming there, Darsha. Wow. Nailed it. <laughs> yes, I know. And so the indigenous view is that in our long heritage of hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years of living in egalitarian communities. We, you know, insisted on egalitarianism. And you, you, if someone's ego got a little puffy, everyone would tease that one and, you know, till they settle down again. And so egalitarianism uh, and uh, generosity and sharing. So this gift economy, uh, that's normal for nature. The natural world works that way in our, our species too, other species. Uh, and, and capitalism kind of shuts all that down, makes the system hierarchical, right, and feed the rich again. Um, <laughs> so we are stuck right now because we think this is progress. We think that we have made, you know, great progress. Look, at we have glasses. Well, the reason we have glasses is because civilization has ruined our eyes because we, we're not outside enough. We're not. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Right, it's too much screens, it's too much reading <laughs> and all that. So uh, all the things we think progress is in civilization has a lot to do with the problems that civilization itself caused like epidemics and disease. We didn't have that we were, when we were in our ancestral context, small band hunter gatherers, uh, which of course we can't go back to that, but we can still learn a lot about how they raised themselves to be so happy, happy and healthy, yeah. they're miserable. <laughs> we, you know, try to get through the day. So indigenous wisdom has a lot to teach us. And it's, it's uh, you know, the two worldviews. Uh, Robert Redfield, the socio-anthropologist, said there were two of them. One is this kind of the world is amoral and fragmented and, you know, chaotic. Or it's moral, connected, sacred. And we have a choice here. And the indigenous choice is this connected, sacred bondedness, you know, the happiness you see and feel when you get connected to nature versus the one we're in now where we're just like misery, you're gonna, you know, and then we're promised, well, you'll get to heaven if you work hard, right? So be miserable now, and then later you'll be rewarded. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas the other, this one is be happy now, eternity is now, you're connected to everything now. So those things clash. And I, we're at a point where we really have to adopt the indigenous perspective or our species will disappear because we're destroying, destroying the planet and all the things that keep us alive. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that's very well spoken. I, I, I agree. I've seen it. I mean, I've been part of wilderness communities in the past. And um, the, the, the wilderness communities that I was a part of was really rich. It was not just connection to nature, but it was a recognition of the importance of elders and, and how groups of people, I mean, how we have helped ourselves over periods of time with small groups and ritual and ceremony and play and all kinds of things. Cause I, I, I was trained by John Young, whom I think you interviewed or had a speaker at one of your, one of your, mm -hmm. the last symposium you had. So yes, that's right. Well, how can people who are listening really start to benefit from your perspective? Do you have programs or can they, what do you recommend for people to start to change them? their lives or how, how can people benefit from what your wisdom, Darsha? Well, it's not my wisdom. I just uh, pointing the way, I guess, to all the wisdom of our ancestors, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so the Evolve Nest, if you go to evolvenest.org, there are lots of resources there. We have podcasts and essays, blog posts, and uh, videos. Uh, and There'll be books, more books coming out. Uh, I have one with four arrows on uh, kin-centric flourishing. So we discuss different uh, precepts of the indigenous worldview, uh, have conversation about quotes from Native Americans mostly. Uh, so there's various things. I think uh, video watching and podcasting is a place to start and start to break through that kind of rigid notions that we've been taught that are actually killing us. <laughs> that's, that's dire. I'm wondering, <laughs> you know, what I'm feeling, it'd be nice if there could be like early adopters of the Evolved Nest and we can create like a little, our own little subgroups out here of, of starting to weave in these older ways or these, this, this more holistic way of living into our current modern lives. I don't know, do you have anything like that that's available for people? We are actually starting uh, Mighty Network groups, oh. Mighty Networks. You can sign up for uh, being in a, a specialized group to discuss and, and um, I would meet with a group. We're just getting started on that. Okay. And uh, let me just also say that I people are, are thankfully getting informed about trauma-informed practices, right? Yeah, but I think what we need to do, that's not enough. That's like getting back to zero for me. It's like resilience, you know, well, they didn't get, you know, shot. They didn't, they graduated from high school, but they didn't reach their human potential, right? Because right. we're not paying attention to help to enhance development, how to normally enhance it. And so I, I think the term we need to start using is wellness informed. Wellness. Wow. I love that. So I just wrote a blog piece about that uh, that got posted at Psychology Today. So I write at Psychology Today. Uh, my my blog there is Moral Landscapes. Write about all this yeah. stuff, and I introduced the term wellness informed. So now we're going to try to spread that around so that people actually don't have such a, a low uh, expectation. So we've got this cycle of kind of low expectations going on, you know, don't you minimize the needs of babies, uh, you know, and you expect them to be kind of aggressive and have 
terrible twos that doesn't happen in other places where their needs are met. And then you think adults, yeah, they're selfish and you know, they're, they're gonna dominate others, that's normal. No, it isn't, that's not our normal way of being. And then you create a culture like the one we have where everything is misery and everyone has to work, 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 and not be happy and not be themselves and not you know, have their own sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And you think that's normal. Those are all slipped baselines. So we have this movie coming out next week called Breaking the Cycle Film, uh, Breaking the Cycle. And you can go to breakingthecyclefilm.org. And that will, uh, it's just a five minute film or so to try to to show the contrast between the the cycle we're in now, which is competitive detachment, really. Mm -hmm. And that's what I call it. And go back to the cycles of cooperative companionship. That's who we are as a species. And we've got to get back there if we're going to survive. I love that. You know, they talked about that, um, to how to beat this pandemic. And I remember in the early days of the pandemic, they said the only way we're going to get healthy again is if we work together around the world. So it's it's definitely been presence. And I'm glad that now there's, I put all these things that you mentioned in the show notes so that people can find can find you um, and, mighty networks and breaking the cycle and i'll post your blog which is a great little blog to read that's how i first found you i don't know how long ago it was a long time it seems <laughs> at least five years ago when did you start like that was the the baby when you started talking about babies i'm like oh this is great someone else my so, uh, yeah my most popular blog post is dangers of crying it out the sleep oh. training that's from 2011 Mm-hmm. And it's got over 3 million hits, just that one post. Okay. Well, I'll make sure I post all this so people can appreciate you and, and take in all the things that you've been really, I mean, passionately following and discussing and finding others on the path um, that are similar, all the symposiums that you've had. And, and now you're retired. You're retired from the um, um, professor world and you're um, running the Evolve Nest and also Kindred. Why don't you tell people what Kindred is? And So Kindred World and Kindred Media, uh, they are the offshoots of conscious parenting. It's broader now for everybody, not just parents, uh, but that's been around for some decades. And it's just a rich source of resources of essays and videos and, and uh, organizations that are linked uh, that you can learn more about how to you know fulfill your human potential how to you know be your best self and and be a community member and, and such okay yeah well i'll post that too it's really wonderful that i love the kindred i can always go in there and find um something wonderful it's like film clip or a blog post or a podcast or a fireside chat. I mean, there's so many wonderful things that you and Lisa Reagan are doing together. So, well, it's such a pleasure to know you and to have you here, even for this brief time, Darsha. So um, I just wanted to ask you what I ask all my guests, like, so what, what makes your life more beautiful? Well, I would say the natural world. Uh, we have a nice um, area we live in and the trees, the oak trees and the pines are my friends. And I think uh, it's, uh, we've been trying to plant native plants and I will go earth on the, and sit in the lawn, you know, or lie down and just feel the presence of the earth and, and her energy. 
And I think that's another indigenous um, practice of uh, partnering with the natural world, not dominating it, but respecting it and honoring it. So that's my pleasure. Okay, well, thank you for coming on the show and we'll have you back again, I hope. I hope so. Thanks so much, Kate. You've been listening to a more beautiful life podcast to support our show please go to patreon forward slash a more beautiful life